We are here to worship God. Of course, that's what we're here to do when we gather. But today, on top of that, we also want to honor moms. We also want to celebrate because the scripture calls us to. We're going to look at it over the next few minutes about how God has called us to honor and celebrate our moms and the role that they take in our lives and in people's lives. And I'll tell you the truth. It's actually one of the hardest sermons for me to ever prepare for are these Mother's Day sermons. Um, it's just, I want them to be so heartfelt. I want them to really spill out of me. Um, but you want to do it right. You want to get it right. You want to, you want to really spill. And so, um, I I just, I'm like, okay, God, I hope you anoint these words. And so God always shows us so much cool stuff and his heart really is so for the mom. And I know you're going to see that walking away this morning. And then I began to think about these other pastors, um, around town. And I noticed my pastor friends, they have their wives, so the mother of their children, they have their, their wives preach on Mother's Day. And I was like, how does that go in the house? Like, hey, um, thinking on Mother's Day, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to really honor you by having you do my job on Sunday morning. <laughs> so how about that? How about what you should do for Mother's Day? So I'm not going to do any of that here. We're going to honor the mothers myself. Amen. So if any churches in town had their wives preach, you go on their Facebook and give them one star today. You just <laughs> review them one star. But scripture says so much about mothers, and we will take the next few minutes uh, just really talking about the truth in scripture about moms and motherhood and, and the design of God. But I do want to say this, uh, because I do understand in a room, and especially with two services, um, that there's going to be, and, and I know of them, uh, women in the room who either couldn't have children or haven't yet had children. And the enemy always tries to use those situations to, to hurt or to bring a pain or a strife. But here's what I want to say. I really want to encourage you uh, if you're in that situation is this. I was a youth pastor for uh, 10 years and, and really been in ministry my whole life. And I'll tell you this, uh, I've heard time and time again, so many different profound relationships that actually were said like this. An impact was made on a young person and it was made by somebody who fit in this category where they said something like, oh, that person was like a mom to me wasn't actually a mom, but, but was like a mom to me or said, oh, I, I was going along in life and this person came into my life and they were like a second mom to me. So though you may not have a natural child for whatever reason and circumstance you may not, I'm telling you, God can anoint you to fill that motherly role in somebody else's life. Don't discount if it, you understand what I'm saying. I hope you hear my heart in that is God can use you to nurture and nature and, and do the whole thing that you need to do. And so don't discount. Are you with me? Do you hear that today? Of course, before I move on too much, I want to acknowledge my mother was in the first service. We honored her. Uh, my in-law, my mother-in-law is back there hiding in the dark. I, you're going to have to stand and wave or shake your blonde hair or something. But everybody, that's my mother-in-law. You know her. Yeah, there she is. Yeah, she's in the back. And, uh, and so we honor her. She's been in ministry forever. She lo- just loves our uh, loves our, our family and, and uh, just supports us so much. And, and it's awesome to see her uh, walking all that God has for her. She has a counseling ministry on the other side of the building there. And um, in her 60s, I mean 16s, she's still out there ministering, still out there being a part of tr- tr- lives being transformed. <clears throat> also, obviously encouraging us, lifting our arms up, speaking life into us. And so we very much honor you this morning. Give it up for her one more time. And then, of course, my wife right here. Everybody give it up for Jess, mother of my children. (laughs) Jess completed something for the first time ever in her life. Yesterday, she ran a 25K race. That's a... uh, 
That's a 5K five times, just in case you don't know how that works. And uh, she ran it. Check this out. She ran that thing and completed that thing just nine months after having a baby. Okay? She just ran that thing. Listen, it would take me nine months to run a 25K. (laughs) You started it and you ran it. She was running a 25K. I was literally eating donuts at Dude's Donuts and Devotions while she was doing it. So we're different. We're different. Uh, But the other thing about it is this that's amazing not only was that a first time in her life but also that was this weekend now next weekend she's hosting a women's conference the first conference we've ever had as a church and she's going to be a communicator there i mean you know she is an incredible mom and woman amen, amen. so we honor you we love you we'll make out later but um <laughs> got to get through one more service and probably eat a little lunch you might need a nap you ran a lot but but want to, uh, oh, you guys are all judging me. You know, the scripture is full of, you're supposed to do that. I mean, get my phone. I'll start in Genesis. Let's talk about it. All right. So do want to talk about mothers. And here's what's one really cool thing I learned this year is this. Is, uh, Scott's like, I'm sorry for you. You're, um, so this is what I learned about Mother's Day. This is really cool. So uh, our president, uh, Woodrow Wilson, almost uh, just a little over 100 years ago, was the president who declared that it should be a national holiday. But what's actually really cool is a woman named Anna Jarvis was somebody who was actually praying and petitioning for it to become an honored holiday uh, before it was ever announced by a president. And then what's really cool about Mother's Day is the first place that mothers were ever uh, gathered and honored was actually in a church. So the first Mother's Day actually took place in a church because how much should the church honor mothers? Amen? How much should we come alongside and hold the arms up and speak and encourage our mothers? And so today, I really feel like God gave me a word that I really hope it just sort of changes your mindset. I hope when you leave here, I really just have two points, two things I want you to leave with going, yes, that's God. Not, oh, Pastor Josh had a good idea. No, this is the heart of God for your heart and for your mind and for your effort. I want you to know this when you leave. And um, here's what I really want you to know, and it's this. Uh, You are not just a homemaker. You're not just somebody who keeps things in order and makes sure everybody gets to school on time. And I'm not coming against a homemaker. That's a beautiful thing. But what I want you to know is you really at the core are a miracle maker. I mean, if you look at actually conception to birth, uh, statistically, they say from the moment you conceive a child to the moment that you birth it, 130 octillion things had to happen in perfect order in order for you to be birthed and to arrive. So that child that you carried, it, went, it had 130 with 27 zeros behind it. All had to happen in perfect order. That many miracles took place on the inside of you. Why? Because a woman, a mom is a miracle maker. Are you with me? The unbelievable thing that is just childbirth should change your mindset to know that, oh my gosh, I'm not just somebody who's getting by. I'm not just somebody who's a homemaker and puts things in order and picks them up and puts them away. No, you literally every single day and every single thing that you do, you're making a way for the miraculous in your child and in your home and in their future. Every countertop you wipe, you do, oh, it's never ending. It's never ending. It's another countertop. It's another thing I got to clean. Listen, the only thing that's never ending is the uh, in eternity, all the blessing of the way that you provided and you, and you tilled the ground and you made the way from the miraculous. Those blessings are what's going to be never ending when your child reaps it in eternity. Are you with me? And we got all these cultural 
scary mommy blog and everything is like, oh, you just got to survive parenting. And, and I get it. There's comedy behind it. And we all watch the movies about the, the chaos that can be parenting. But I hope we don't let that settle in our heart. That being a mom, that being a parent, that being somebody who raises children is just survival and everything's on fire. That's not God's design. God's design is, hey, I've equipped you and created you on purpose for a purpose. And everything you do is tilling the ground for the miraculous in your children. Because moms, you are miracle work. It's just unbelievable the things that you do. I mean, I literally begin to think about like when you get pregnant. Women, they don't even have a problem with the idea that there's a human growing on the inside of you. Really, the whole thing is actually pretty ridiculous because it all starts with waving a stick you peed on in your husband's face. Like, hey, look at this. <laughs> like, well, here we go. It's the beginning of gross, right? <laughs> and so you, just no fear. The bravery and the miracle that it is of, of you're just going to say, I'm in this. I'm going to carry a human for nine months, and I'm going to birth it. And then, of course, we know the birthing process comes with all kinds of other miracles and bravery. And it's amazing the miracles that a mom walks in. Are you with me? You're not just getting through it. You're not just surviving. You're not just uh, doing the circle of life. No, you are walking in the miraculous every day. It's absolutely unbelievable. And I thought about when, uh, you know, of course, the baby's born, and then you you don't have sleep and just all the stuff that goes with it and all the things to keep the baby going. And so that when they're a young baby, you have all this stuff that goes on. And, and it's a miracle that you have the, the bravery and the boldness and you, you, you just step right into it. Why? Because you're miracle makers. You guys are just absolutely unbelievable. And then when they become teenagers, I'm thinking about these parents that have teenagers and they have to navigate these teenagers through this season of life with all that's going on in culture. And they do that with bravery. They do that with intelligence and poise and, and, and such love for their kids. Are you with me? And then you marry them off. I did a stupid thing a couple months ago. I decided to go to Maddie and Ben's wedding, and I had to watch Scott and Sam, you know, give away their daughter, which they're lucky because they got Ben, and he's absolutely incredible. They're so blessed. But I used to think it was ridiculous when, when Christians would pray for revival. Oh, God, come deliver us now. But I watched Scott give away his daughter. Now my da daily prayer starts with, Lord, we need the rapture. <laughs> Caroline is not getting married. That's my oldest daughter. She ain't doing it. I'm looking in the Bible. Where does it say that your kids can't leave your household for... <laughs> and so, but, but you got to navigate through that. You get on the other side of your life and then your kids start having kids. And then, and then you're, you're walking in the miraculous as you're navigating your own daughters and sons through raising their own kids. It's a, it's a miracle. It's amazing what you as moms do. And I don't want you to ever think you're just surviving. You're just getting by. You're just getting through it. You're actually walking in the miraculous. Are you with me? And I get it. It can be crazy. It makes me think of this story that I heard about this woman who was at Walmart and she was in one aisle and there were some Walmart workers in the other aisle and they were listening to this woman who had her two-year-old uh, daughter with her. So this woman's in one aisle with her two-year-old daughter and the workers are on the other and they kept overhearing the woman talk to her daughter. She was having a conversation and she, they kept hearing this. They heard her say, calm down, Anna. Calm down, Anna. It will be all right, Anna. You can't cry loud in the store, Anna. It's almost time to go home, Anna. It's okay. It's, it's almost time to go home, Anna. 
So the workers came around the aisle, and they approached the women. They said, hey, you know, we hear a lot of interactions between moms and daughters, and, and we just want to say we're so proud of how patient you were and how kindly you talked. It was just so amazing how, how wonderful you were when you were talking to your daughter, Anna. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. You're, you're misinformed. My name's Anna. <laughs> and some of you, like, that's your Walmart. That's your Meyer. And, uh, and, and so that's your experience. But listen, but listen, even in that, every experience, everything, you are paving the way for the miraculous. It's, it's ground that you're tilling for the seeds of God to do the miraculous. Amen. They say this. They say that a woman's brain increases after giving birth, and it increases in the region of these three things, reason, senses, and judgment. Why? It's almost as if God knew that when a mom gives birth to a child, you're going to be walking in such miraculousness. Is that a word? That, that you're going to need increase in these things. I'm here to just tell you that God has created you not to just survive, not to just get through, but he's created you to thrive in this thing called motherhood. Are you with me? He wants to see you bring out the miraculous in your kids. It's all throughout Scripture. You begin to look at all of the, the great men and women and the, many of the great moves of God in Scripture. They all actually started with a woman. I know we're not supposed to say that in Zealand, but I'm just saying. God used women, particularly moms, in so many stories that before you saw the big miracle that we know about, there was a mom way before it that did a miracle. Some of my examples are this. Before Moses ever led his people out of Egypt. But before we ever had the, the great and the heroic Moses, what did we have? We had a miracle way, way making mom, a mom who knew how to make a way in the miraculous by praying and hearing from God. And what did she do with Moses? She put him in a basket and she trusted God and she sent him down the river the way that she was instructed to. What did she do? She made a way in the miraculous. She made a way for God to move in the way that he was called to in her child. Am I making sense? It's the same thing for you. Every backpack you pack, every sandwich you make, are you hearing me today? What are you doing? You're, you're preparing the miraculous for the call of God on your kid's life to grow into what it's called to be. I thought about Esther. We know that Esther, she went before the king and she saved a whole lineage of the Jews. Why? Because as a woman, she heard from God and she trusted God and she walked in what God had for her and it opened generations for the Jewish people to continue to thrive. Why? Because a woman said, I'm paving the way in the miraculous. We think, of course, about Jesus' mom, Mary. The scripture said that she was chosen by God. So before Jesus is on the scene, before any miracle ever takes place, the first miracle of Jesus' story is the fact that Mary lived her life in such a way, in such purity, in such holiness and righteousness, in obedience to God, that heaven looked down on her and said, I can use you to do the miraculous of Jesus. Are you with me? It started with an obedient woman. It started with somebody who lived in a way that God could move. And we know this uh, later in life, Jesus' first miracle, wouldn't you be surprised who was actually in the presence of his first miracle. He turns the water into wine. Some of you moms say amen. He turns the water into wine. And wouldn't you know who is around? Mom's around. Why? Because moms have an incredible ability to push you and coach you and encourage you into the first of many things. The miraculous, the supernatural, the big things that God wants to do in your life. And so moms, that's what you get to do. So much so that even to the cross, 
Mary loved her child and loved Jesus, his purpose so much that she was even able to be at the foot of the cross when he was crucified and still believe for her son. As he's fulfilling his purpose, even in torture, this mother's love and this miracle, she didn't say, get him down, don't do it. She didn't make this whole, she, she understood that all of these years I've, I've made this way, I've opened the door to these miracles and he's fulfilling what he's called to do. Guys, that's a miracle. Are you with me? When you send your kids to college, when you do all those, it's the same thing. You're walking. You're not just surviving. You're not just getting through. You're actually equipping people for the miraculous. I noticed it at the NFL draft. Um, my TV was on. I was doing some things in the garage, and I kept listening. They would have these stories uh, that would come on before a player would get drafted. And so many of the players they would say, oh, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my mom, if it wasn't for my mom, if it wasn't for this time when my mom did this. And if my mom, and notice they didn't say, oh, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that elite football camp I went to, or I had that one high school coach who had the, and I'm not coming against any of that, but they never rattled off all the accolades. When it came time for them to be thrust into their purpose, notice how their mind went to, if it wasn't for my mom. Are you with me? Why? Because moms, they have a way of pushing you into your destiny. Dads, I got something for you on Father's Day, so come on Father's Day. Don't start feeling bad. <laughs> but moms, they have that incredible ability. Mothers are miracle birthers. It's just what you do, and, and we got to keep that focus. And one of the ways that you do it better than anybody is in prayer. I believe in the power of a praying mom. A mom prayer is greater than anything you can have in your life. I understand it's important in culture to have a good mom gene. I understand <laughs> That went over well. Some of you don't care. Was that bad, Maddie? Did I, did I botch that? Was that? It was really bad? Okay, all right, sorry. I didn't try it in first service because they were a little crabby. But. but a mom prayer. You guys know what I'm talking about. Many of you in this room would sit here and be like, I can promise you if it wasn't for my mom praying, I wouldn't be like this. If it wasn't for grandma praying, I wouldn't be this. If it was, I'll tell you this, as a pastor, if you could line up ministry leaders and, and elders and evangelists, and then you, then you had a row of, of praying moms who, who know how to pray. Guess who I would put at the front line before the evangelist, the elder, the minister? The first line of defense for me would be a praying mom. Are you with me? Because there's just so much power in a praying mom. And so one of the ways that you can walk in the miraculous with your kids, moms, is just be that praying mom. Sometimes you've got to grit your teeth. I pray these kids learn to pick up these toys. <laughs> and you're praying, if my husband would get off the couch and help me. <laughs> those prayers, are they're, they're okay. You can take those ones. But I'm talking about praying, praying, praying over your kids. Praying as they go into school. Amen. We see a great, great story about Hannah. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but in 1 Samuel, uh, Hannah uh, gives birth to the prophet Samuel. And um, she's actually a woman who can't give birth. And in this time, uh, so she has infertility issues. She can't give birth. And in this time, if you were infertile, you could actually uh, get another wife. As the husband, you didn't divorce, but you would go and get another wife. And this happened in the story with Hannah. And so there's now another wife in the home who is having children. And so the, the scripture, as you read it, actually calls this other woman the rival because that woman would provoke Hannah. So even though her husband still very much loved her, this woman, uh, this other wife, was, was a rival. It would provoke her. There would be scenes that would uh, bring pain to Rebecca. And what's amazing is you then see in the scripture where, where Hannah is, 
She's uh, in front of people, and she is praying in such a way. She gets to a place where she's praying in such a way uh, that Eli comes up to her and is like, woman, this is ridiculous. You are drunk, and you're in the street. And he tells her, like, you got to get up, and you gotta, you got to put yourself together. This is insane. And she actually says, you know, tells the story. She's like, no, I'm not, I'm not drunk. She says, the scripture says, she says, I, she's praying. She says, I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. I had been praying out of my great anguish and grief. What I love about this story is notice it didn't say that she went about complaining about the rival. It didn't say that she went about complaining about what she didn't have. It didn't say she went about reacting how everybody got this and they got that or uh, retreating. She didn't hide out. and The scripture said she took what was a desire in her soul and she just went to the Lord about it. She prayed and she poured out and she gave it all to God. She responded in great prayer. Why? Because there's nothing greater than a praying mom. Are you hearing me this morning? And the scripture says that the next day the Lord remembered her and she became pregnant and gave birth. And here's what I want to say to you today is this. I don't know what the rival is in your life. I don't know what the thing is that's causing you grief or provoking you. But I'm telling you, if you take it to just the praying place, if you get down and you pour out your soul and you give it all to God, I promise he'll make a change there. Are you with me? Praying moms, there's nothing more important than a praying mom. I believe this, that a praying mom can do more than a politician. I believe that a praying mom can do more than the perfect education for our children. I believe that a praying mom can do more than the right neighborhood and the right friends and all, and all of those things are important. And it's important for us to be uh, looking at those things. But I'm telling you, the power of a mom who prays opens the door for the miraculous in our children. Are you with me? Abraham Lincoln said, no one is poor who had a godly mother. No one can feel like they don't have enough if you have a mom who is godly is what that means. Your kids will never look back and go, oh, I don't have what I need. I don't, if they know that you're a praying mom. If they know that when it hits the fan, you're going to hit your knees and you're going to pray for them. How many times have you picked up the phone and called mom? Because mom is the only one who can pray that way. Anybody relate to that? So no one is poor who has a godly praying mom. I thought about this story that I heard this week. As I was studying, uh, it's a historical story that you're not going to believe, but it's accurate. You can look it up. In 1820, there was a man by the name of Peter Richley, and he was traveling by boat from England to Australia. And when he was traveling, the boat that he was on, it began to sink. And so it went completely underwater, and actually everybody but him died. And so a boat came along and, and was able to find him and rescue him. And while on the second boat... As they're traveling and making their way back to Australia, uh, the path that they're on was, was rough and it was intense. And so the second boat actually went under as well. And so he's experiencing his second shipwreck. So as he's in the water, thankfully along that path, there was somebody else who was able to come along and pick him up. But the third boat, the fourth boat, and even the fifth boat all shipwrecked. I'm sorry, the fifth boat that picked him up was the last one that remained. So all four before sank and shipwrecked and then finally on the fifth one and I know that's the part where you don't believe me but you can google it later but he's involved in these four shipwrecks he gets on the last one and they get him some food and they get him nourished and they realize that they're now going to make it the vessel that he's on is big enough so as he gets recovered the crew come to him and they say hey here's what we need you to do this is a really strange request but 
there's this woman here who's really won our affection, and she's got this really weird request, and we were wondering, since she doesn't know you, she knows the rest of the crew, but she doesn't know you, we were wondering if you might uh, do us this favor uh, and just go in and see her for a minute. And he thought, okay, you know, you've saved my life and gave me food, and I guess I could grant this request. But the thing about her request was that she was very ill. She had a great fever, and the crew knew that uh, the conditions and the travel that was left, uh, that this woman was going to pass away. She was much older in her life, and again, with the conditions and her fever, uh, they knew that she wasn't going to make it back to shore. And so uh, they said, hey, you know, would you go in there and would you visit her? And they said, well, why would you want me to do that? And they said, well, she's been praying every single day that God would give her one more chance to see her son. And uh, just every day, God, one more chance before I die, would you let me see my son? Again, you can look up this story. One more chance, would you just let me see my son? I want to see my son. Before I die, would you let me see my son? They said, would you be willing to go in the room? She's so sick. She's so fatigued. She won't even know that you're not really her son. Would you just go in the room and pretend to be her son and bring her some kind of hope? And he said, you know, sure, I guess, which sounds like a crazy thing to do. But he says, sure. And as the story goes, he comes around the corner, and as he gets around the corner, he sees a gray-haired woman sitting in her ill bed, and he then immediately notices that that is Sarah Richley, his mom, who he hasn't spoken with in 10 years. The power of a praying mom, I believe, does this. It sinks ships, it sends saving ships, and it also calls back what was lost. Are you with me? I'm not here to say God sunk all those ships and God did all the things, but I'm just saying this. Isn't it amazing that the miracle was orchestrated? True story. You can look it up. Why? Because the power of a praying mom, a power of a praying woman is so great. Come on. Are you with me? I'll close with this. I believe this, and the scripture calls us to do this, and it's so true. The scripture calls us with our moms the miracle makers of our home and, and of our lives and of our generation. Uh, I believe this. The scripture calls us to show them honor. We might not all have the perfect moms, but, but if you will, the office of mom deserves honor. And uh, the scripture tells us it. And here's the definition of honor. It's to give special recognition. I believe Mother's Day shouldn't be about cards and flowers and gifts. And I realize those are ways that we recognize. But what we need to do is we need to live a lifestyle of recognizing the mom. Are you with me? A Mother's Day is a great way to sort of be the, the grand finale, the, the celebration of what we've done all throughout the year. But we're called to be people who give special recognition. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3 says this, Honor your father and mother. So give special recognition to your father and mother, which is the first command with a promise. So you remember, this is in the top 10. This is in the 10 commands. This is in there saying this is one with a promise. Then it says this, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. So one of the ways that you enjoy good life is if you're a person who remembers to honor your mom, to be a person who shows reverence and significance to your mom. Isn't that incredible? I thought about this scripture of, of the, the, the godly woman that's mentioned in Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31, 31 says this. It says, honor her for all that her hands have done. Let her works bring praise at the city gate. I actually wanna to talk to all generation moms in the room. Because a lot of times we think mom and we think, oh, the mom who's dealing with the diapers and the no sleep and the thing. But there's moms who you've lived and you've served and you loved so well 
but your time is not over. It's just different. And the scripture calls us to be generations that work together and stand on each other's shoulder and do what this scripture says, honor all the hands, all the work that your hands have done. So I don't want us to think about moms as young mom who's dealing with diaper. No, all the moms and all the work that your hands have done, we're called to honor. Why? It's gonna, we're gonna bring praise into the city about you. Are you with me? So I found this letter. I told the team I wanted to read it and uh, showed a few of them and they said, the staff was like, yeah, it's good. But how are you gonna be able to read it? And I was like, watch me. And I didn't do a good job in first service. But let me read it to you. And I hope you really hear the heart behind this. I'm, I'm trying to get you to, to kind of see this Proverbs 31, 31 scripture. Which is this. We honor her hands and all that she has done and all the miracles and all the open doors that, that she's done in our life. Our moms and mother-in-laws and grandmas and grannies and all the makeup name, made up names you call them. Nana, what, all the all the things. I was trying to adopt. I need a humor break. I was trying, before I do this, I was trying to adopt what the, I lived in North Carolina for two years, Jess and I did. And um, I threatened my mom because in the South, they call their grandmas Mima. And I was like, mom, we're, we're Southern now. I'm, when I get back, our kids are calling you Mima. <laughs> but whatever you call them, uh, it's this, it's honor her for all that her hands have done. Let her works bring her praise in the city gate. Why? Because she's opened. I know I just said it, but she's opened all of the doors. She's tilled the ground. She's, she's done all of these miracles that we all get to stand on, that we all get to harvest in, that, that we all get to run with. That's what our moms are. So this is a letter written, and I don't even know the author. I found it on a blog, so I'd love to give it credit, but I don't know it. But um, this is a letter written to a daughter. I'll do my best. It says this. It says, my dear girl, the day you see I'm getting old, I ask you please be patient, but most of all, try to understand what I'm going through. If when we talk, I repeat the same thing a thousand times, don't interrupt to say, you said the same thing a minute ago. Just listen, please. Try to remember the times when you were little and I would read the same story night after night after night until you would fall asleep. When I don't feel like getting all put together and done up, don't be mad and don't embarrass me. Remember when I had to run, remember when I had to run after you making excuses and trying to get you to take a shower, put on clothes and do your hair when you were just a girl. When you see how ignorant I am when it comes to technology, give me the time to learn and don't look at me that way. True story, I had this letter on my desk and I sit in this desk, my desk faces, and I got a big window in my thing. I'm not kidding you, this letter's on my desk, I've already read it. And my mother-in-law, who I love, uh, I see her coming through the office with her new phone and another square device. <laughs> and I was getting ready to make that face they told me not to make it her. <laughs> I was like, hey, do you need help? I'd love to help you. <laughs> Says this, remember, I patiently taught you how to do many things, like eating appropriately, getting dressed, tying your shoes, and dealing with life's everyday and night's everyday issue. Let me know your moms. You call them in the middle of the night with the baby. Mom, wake up. Something green's coming out of their nose, right? Taking pictures of, is this too green? Is this, yeah, what? 
Oh, that's none of you. That's just us. <laughs> Fine. But just remember the miracle maker that is your mom who you can call at any time and say, what is this? And then they give you some weirdo back version story of, all right, you go out in the yard and you pick three things of grass and then you put vegetable oil on it. Then you hold it and you say this chant. Then you feed it to your children. <laughs> oh, that's none of your parents? Oh, that's what we've been doing. Whoops. But you know what I'm saying? There's nothing like the mom there, the miracle. She, she's been there. So again, I'm not, I'm not trying to read this story to say like, oh, when your mom's at the end, what I'm saying is honor the work of her hands. Yes, it's different, but they're not done. Are you with me? Our moms, our grandmamas, they're, they're together. We're together in this. It says, the day you see I'm getting old, I ask that you please be patient. Most of all, try to understand what I'm going through. If I occasionally lose track of what we're talking about, give me time to remember. And if I can't do, if I can't, don't be nervous, impatient, or arrogant. Just know that in your heart, the most important thing for me is to be with you. It's not what's being said and the deep connection and conversation of, of intelligent things and the, the way that you can have these wooey conversations. It's about being together. That's what it's about. And that's how you honor the work of their hands. And when I'm old, tired legs don't move as quickly as before. Give me your hand the same way I offered mine when you first learned to walk. When those days come, don't feel sad. Just be with me and understand me. While I get to the end of my life with love, I'll cherish and thank you for the gift of time and the joy we shared. That's how you honor. That's how you honor as you understand that this whole thing of motherhood and the miraculousness of it, it's beautiful and it's for us to do together. That's how you show honor. I kind of changed up Proverbs 31, 31 based on what we just learned. The original version is honor her for all her hands have done. Let her works bring praise at the city gate. But you remember we looked up what honor means and I put it into this scripture and it says this. It says give special recognition to her for all that her hands have done. Let her works bring her praise among her family. Let's do that. Let's be a people who give special recognition for all that our moms have done. I'm talking about you too, dads. All the work. You come home and don't, don't say, oh, why isn't this done? Why isn't You come home and you'd be like, I'm giving you special recognition because I see that you threw about four dirty diapers out on my garage floor. <laughs> That one almost hit my dirt bike. Can we? I'm just kidding. But let's come in and recognize all that they have done and let's give them praise in their homes. Amen.